How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. And welcome to the Jake Brown Show, everybody. CBS Radio's played out at iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher for you Android people. Um, our guest of the week, you heard Iron Eagle uh, Tuesday, you heard me and my producer sent Wednesday, and today you hear former New York Giants great. He's the co-host of Tiki and Tierney on CBS Sports Radio, and he is the co-founder of Thuzio as well, and he runs a lot of marathons as well. Tiki Recently. Recently, I've started to run some marathons. I had to change my body to become a marathoner. I needed to lose like 30 pounds because running... 26.2 miles at 205 pounds was not ideal for Did my choice. Did you just choice. quit? Like, are you still, when's the next marathon? Uh, my next one will likely be the Jerusalem Marathon mm. in Israel. Um, and then after that, Big Sur, and then maybe New York again, which will be my fourth time doing New York. So I've actually turned into a runner. I love it. It's cath- it's cathartic to me to be out on the road just running and, and chilling and uh, being to myself. It's a good stress reliever, too. It really is. I mean, it wears you out. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also a great way to stay in shape. And I always I have these conversations with a bunch of my former ru- uh, running back brethren. Uh, you'll see a lot of them are in great shape, like Marcus Allen and, mm-hmm. and uh, Eddie George. We have them come in studio. And people always come, oh, man, you guys look great. I was like, it's because us running backs are vain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we like to see ourselves looking good. Uh, being a runner has helped me stay in good shape, too. Well, that's why I sit here and I don't run. I'm <laughs> overweight. And I get Chipotle too many times and Chinese food and chicken farm heroes. See, I do that as well. But because I run, <laughs> I can have more of it. Yeah. Uh, Tiki Barber joining us here. All right. Uh, what's your favorite part about doing a show with Tierney? He's a guy, a New Yorker. He's got that New York blood. He's been doing this his whole life. He's outspoken, I would say. I feel like you two complement each other pretty well. We do because he's um, he's random. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's random in that he'll throw something that actually makes me think. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you listen to radio and it's it's scripted to, to the point where you, you're not surprised by the opinion or you're not, you're not taken by someone's opinion. And, but the way that BT and I run our, uh, run our show, it's whatever pops in your mind, let's have a com- conversation about. It. Obviously, it's topical, things that are happening in, in the sports world or you know, sometimes even outside of the sports world because we get into race and politics and other things uh, sometimes as well. Uh, but whatever's topical, and if you have an interesting take on it, just throw it out there and 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 let it become a, a conversation. Uh, and we interact obviously with with callers, but but mostly on social media. So we let our listeners help us drive where the show goes. And so it it doesn't it never feels scripted. I never walk in here going, oh, this is going to be a boring show. I do walk in and say, man, there's nothing going on in the world or in the sports world. It's quiet. Whether you know it's after all the, the March Madness and that little lull before we get to you know baseball really is interesting. Football is still not in the um, you know the training camp phase yet, and it gets slow. And mm-hmm. I'm and we have these in the newsroom conversations like, what are we going to talk about today? But we always find something to talk about mm-hmm. because of because of how we uh, approach uh, getting prepared uh, to do the show every every single day. When he's out recently, I think he was out for yeah. a little bit. You're on your own. Yeah. Is it? Are you comfortable on your own? Do, oh, yeah. do you miss him? Are you like no. come back? I mean, it's 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 a different show when it's when I'm by myself because 
my interests are different individually. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I've always been somewhat of a, a chameleon in my life, um, so I can fit wherever I need to fit. It's like that as a football player. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't naturally a, a great football player, but I, I turned myself into one in college and in the National Football League. I was a geek. You know, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was, when I was growing up. And so when I end up doing shows with myself, it's, it's a different feel. Like when I have guests, I, I ask questions differently. It's a different type of a show, but it's something I'm used to because back in, I want to say 2000 or 2001 or two, I started doing a show with my brother on Sirius um, called The Barber Shop. Hmm. And Adam Shine was our was our basically our host. Great guy. But then yeah. after yeah, great guy. But after the first year, I was like, Ronde, we don't need Adam. Let's just do the show ourselves. And so <laughs> me and Ronde hosted our own show. And then in addition to that, I did a show in the off season called The National Sweep, which was a um, a, a non sports directed show where I had John McCain was one of my first guests. This is when he was right before he ran for president. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we had uh, the head of NASA, you know, the surgeon general, all these, all these different, you know, interests that I had. And so when I do solo shows now, uh, we don't necessarily delve that far off of the sports path, but it's a different type of show, uh, which I think is cool for me. And I think, you know, our listeners enjoyed as well. You said 2002 you were doing that show. Yeah. You knew since, was it that year that you said, you know what, when I retire, I'm going to be a broadcaster? No, you know what I knew? I knew back in 1999. <laughs> um, and interestingly, it started at CBS. So early in my career, I was, I was just a guy. You know, some of my coaches, when we, we go to game plans on uh, whatever it is, a Tuesday or Wednesday, we get into the, the meeting room and our coaches will be like, all right, this guy, he's a pro bowler. You got to know where he is all the time. This guy, he's a hell of a, hell of a uh, athlete, you know, be aware of him doing this. This guy, he's just a guy, right? For early part of my career, after I got banged up and in, um, in, in my first and second year, I was just a kind of a guy, a special teams player. Um, and I remember Ernie, of course, he was, was constantly trying to replace me. It was, it was, when people, New York Giants fans will remember these names, but national folks may not. Uh, Sean Bennett was there. Joe Montgomery came in. Um, Dorsey Levins was a the guy they brought in. Uh, 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 Gary Brown, who's now the running back coach down at, at the Dallas Cowboys and helping Zeke do all the great things that he's doing. Uh, and then we drafted Ron Dane. So there was this, there was this perpetual, you know, um, plan to replace me or find a, a, a starting running back. And so my manager at the time, Mark Lampselter, who was still actually my manager, said, I want to divorce you. Not, 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 not literally, but I want to divorce you from needing the game of football. And so I started doing some media. And my first gigs were working at WFAN with Joe Beningo overnights in the offseason. So I was going over to that crappy Queen studio. Astoria. Shout out Astoria. You guys all remember that if you were <laughs> if you were around at that time. It was a Kaufman studio. It, or something? It, it was scary. It was bad. I mean, I was yeah. going there at night, ten o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night. Um, with Beningo, I, of yeah, all people across, <laughs> across the Queensboro Bridge and, and and basically under the bridge. I'm like, what the hell? Where is this? Yeah. Uh, doing shows at like ten at ten at night to two in the morning. Talking about hockey. Right. I remember because it, it was the off season for me. Uh, people would call in, like, "What do you think about this, you know, Russian hockey player?" Like, I have no idea. What do you think? Uh, and so I, I kind of learned how to talk without, um, you know, without without a ton of pressure, and I enjoyed it. The interesting interesting thing though was that I I liked it so much that I just kept doing it even as my career got better. Uh, we go to the Super Bowl, and now I'm working for WCBS, which is local channel two. 
uh, in New York, and they want me to do a, a video diary of my Super Bowl experience. And so now I'm doing a, I'm doing that, and I'm uh, that parlays into the Yes Network, which had just started. So I'm doing a show on the Yes Network, which then leads to me doing things on Fox and Friends on Fox News Channel. And so. My career keeps going up as a football player, but all these other opportunities keep jumping up uh, in the broadcasting world as well. And it was almost accidental, uh, you know, slash serendipitous. And and when I got to the end of my career and I knew physically I couldn't do it anymore, the transition was relatively easy because I, I'd been doing it pretty consistently for about seven years already. Did those opportunities affect your decision to retire at all? Not really. Um, I, I, I just didn't want to do football anymore I mean people people would see the games and they'd be like man you're still good yeah but you don't see me on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday where I'm fighting with coach Coughlin just to take a day off of practice Mm -hmm. Uh, it was hard it was hard physically on my body which then in turn became mentally uh, anguishing uh, and emotionally so Uh, the opportunity to do something else just happened to be there which made it a little bit easier Uh, but it it also um, it had nothing to do with it really Um, it was it was uh, the the March fifth workout with Joe Carini out in New Jersey deadlifting five hundred pounds and squatting eight hundred pounds I I just didn't want to do it anymore um, and so I, I moved on to whatever was next next and then uh, obviously the Giants won a Super Bowl and that's why people bring that up if they hadn't won the Super Bowl next year it wouldn't have mattered when I retired uh, but timing is a bitch sometimes um, but it's also part of life and you deal and you accept it. Does it bother you ever that you weren't part of that Super Bowl team? I'm sure you no, got asked not this plenty all. of times. Not at, I mean, it's, it's, it's an old question. Yeah. I think uh, people like to ask it because they want to see athletes as defined solely by the sports they play. But that's that, that never was me. I was, just, I was just really good at what I did. Um, but the fact that I missed out on the Super Bowl never bothered me. It was, it was, it's, it's timing, and I accept it. I think that's, I think that's the, the better way to put it. I accept that it. it wasn't my time to be a Super Bowl champion. We're going to wrap up on Facebook Live here, catch the interview Thursday. Um, you and Strahan. Strahan took a similar route, went the media route. Yeah. Do you guys talk about that? I mean, he's had a ton of success. He's a star. Huh? Stray is unbelievable. And the reason is because he's he's so authentic to who he is. I mean, that's how he was when he was in the locker room, the the the, the jovial, loose uh, person that you see on television, whether it was on uh, Michael or Kelly and Michael and now on uh, ABC's Good Morning America and, and on Fox, that's just who he is. So his, his personality translates well uh, on television. And I remember I went to lunch with him a couple years ago, and he was doing ABC with, with, with Kelly. And we went to a lunch, it was probably, I don't know, two blocks away from his studio over there on the Upper West Side. And you know, I'm used to hanging out with Mike and seeing like 25-year-old boys, men, come up to him and, oh, Mike, you're awesome, unbelievable, you know, Super Bowl, like all those things. They it was 40 and 50-year-old? It was 40 <laughs> and 50-year-old women. Wow. Like moms Uh-oh. who love him. And I'm like, man, you you have fully crossed over. Yeah. That's uh, never a bad thing. No, it's not. Moms. It's not. But it's 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 <laughs> one of those things, though, where he made he made the transition and he did it seamlessly and it fits him. It fits his personality. Uh, and I couldn't be happier for him. Have you two ever talked about Teaming up and doing something media wise? No, no, no. We never really kind of crossed that that path. I mean, it'd be, it'd be interesting because he's he's so compelling, um, and he's he's such a good dude. Um, and I and I, you know, it's, it's funny when you, when you talk. People ask me what I miss about the game. It's it's, it's definitely not the the work. I mean, the Monday through Saturday, 
Um, sometimes I miss Sundays, but that was also brutal. Yeah. Uh, especially if you were losing. Um, but you you really miss the the relationship, like the friends that you have and the conversations that you have with these guys that felt effortless and and easy. And you know, you walk into a room, you can you can there's there's levity there, there's seriousness there, there's 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 a, a familiar a familiar a, fam, uh, a familiarity there that it's hard to find in other walks of life. Tiki Barber on the Jake Brown Show. The first jersey I've ever had was your Super Bowl jersey. Oh, nice. In 2001, was it? 2001. Yeah, 2001. The I don't 2000 think you guys season. wore them, though. They were selling a gold, white and gold jersey, yeah, but no. I don't think you wore those. Yeah, you know why they put those things out there. I'll make so, money, yeah. so they, People like you. you know, yeah, they're suckers. It was, bring, it was like, wear your jersey to school, Dan. I'm uh, like, Mom, I need a jersey. Yeah, this isn't uh, a Giants jersey at all. Yeah. Uh, it was dope colors. It though. is. It's somewhere in North I Carolina. I still have that, actually. I still have those. I think, what, did you guys wear a blue jersey? That yeah, we wore we wore blue. It was a bad day. 34-7, Ron Dixon had the kickout return for a touchdown. And yep. The rest was Yeah, you know what's, you know what's funny? My current radio partner, Brandon Tierney, who we were just talking about, um, he, he bets a little bit on games. He took a little a, bit. He took a prop bet. Yeah. On that game, really, that there would be back-to-back returns for touchdowns. I think he took like twelve prop bets. He got almost all of them. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm curious what the odds were on that. He must I, have made a <laughs> shitload no of money idea. off of that. He said, he, he said he did well yeah. off of our loss, but he's a Jets fan, so I can't even be mad at him. That's that's cr- Do you guys argue? Like, are you a fan? At all, or do you, of, is that of, side? No, it's it's like, interesting because we, Giants we asked that. Oh, am I a fan of the Giants? Yeah, but am I am I a fan generally? No, mm-hmm. it's interesting because because BT is is he's not uh, you know the other end of the spectrum, but like, he he only experienced the NFL and professional sports as a fan. But I was in it, and so it's, it's so our 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 views of the same thing, the same incident that happens on a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday, whatever game we're talking about, is skewed because he comes at it from a fan standpoint. And this is what fans are thinking. And I come at it from a completely different standpoint because I'm not necessarily a fan. Mm-hmm. I appreciate uh, watching the games and, and, and dissect them, but I almost do that too much. I almost am dissecting too much to be a fan. Um, so it's it, it makes for interesting conversations because our opinions are very are vastly different at times, which which I kind of, I think makes our show cool and unique. Tiki Barber joining us. Um, the Giants now a little surprising. I think I think their defense has been a lot more elite than we expected, and maybe JPP makes a playoff return here. Yeah. Are you surprised by what they've done? Um, I'm only surprised because they bought it, and I am not not a fan of trying to buy success. And maybe that's because I grew up a, a Redskins fan. Cough, cough, Yankees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, it worked in New York, but yeah. I didn't. I didn't grow up here, mm-hmm. and so I didn't. I didn't, you know, revel in George Steinbrenner, you know, not sparing a dime rain, yeah. to, to, to to bring the best and 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 the most successful here. Uh, but I did see this as a Redskins fan, and. Uh, finding, you know, bringing in Deion Sanders and Bruce Smith and like all these older stars never worked. And so I've never been a fan of buying um, uh, championships because you, it's hard. You can't buy chemistry. Mm-hmm. So when Jerry Reese spent all of that money this offseason on Janoris Jenkins and Olivier Vernon, uh, uh, Snacks, uh, Harrison, it, it, it was kind of, man, this is cool, but this isn't going to work right away. But it has, and that's the great thing. And I think there's 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 catalysts there because there's so many um, homegrown guys also 
uh, that, that, that mesh kind of perfectly with the free agents that they bought in. As a result, the Giants' defense has been phenomenal, led by Landon Collins, who a lot of people had some questions about after his first year. I mean, hell, he might be my defensive player of the year this year. He's with 96 tackles, which is second in the league, and uh, three sacks and five interceptions, which is second in the league as well. He's done it all, and more importantly, he's done it at timely moments that have actually won games uh, for the New York Giants. So their defense is good. In fact, they may be one of the better ones remaining in the playoffs. The question, which is which is what I didn't think I would have the to offense. ask, yeah. is what's wrong with this offense? Yeah. And now you, you, you have to give uh, Ben McAdoo a, a little bit of slack. I mean, he, he's never been head coach on any level. Um, one of the great assistants, I think, over the last few years, but never been a head coach. And we think it's easy. Like, we think it's just this, oh, you'll make the transition. It's the same thing as being an offensive coordinator. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just worrying about, you know, your 30 guys on on the side of the ball. You're now worried about the the 30 on the other side of the ball and uh, all of your assistant coaches, all of of, – uh, the administration, what's what your what's your philosophy? I mean, it's so so much to handle for a young head coach, um, and 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 I think he he's doing well under the circumstances. The challenge is Eli's getting a little bit older. Um, the uh, we I almost said we, but the Giants spend so much time in spread because the O line isn't 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 uh, excelling at run blocking that we become one-dimensional at, at, at certain situations. It's gotten better the last few weeks, though, because there's been commitment to the run. It hasn't always been successful, but against the Cowboys, against the Detroit Lions, I mean, there was 25, 29, 30 carries. And it had to be successful, but at least there has to be a threat of it. And I think that helps, that, that will help in the long run uh, with this offense as hopefully it clicks as it's wont to do in the postseason. When you look at the NFC, it seems like you beat the Cowboys twice here. You've, you've beaten the Lions. Mm-hmm. Seattle, who knows what you're getting from them every yeah. week. Uh, the Giants fans hoping that the Lions would win so you don't have to play Green Bay and Lambo, the hottest team in football right yeah. now. Do you look at this team as one that's similar to those Super Bowl teams that could go on a run here? Um, yes, because the defense is what's leading them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we uh, Eli has been the Super Bowl MVP twice, and he's been unbelievable uh, during during that stretch. But it's always been the defense that has been the difference maker, uh, and I see that this year. Uh, are they going to have to get a little bit lucky? Yeah, they're going to have to get Seattle if they go to Seattle because they're locked in at the fifth seed. Seattle could fall into the fourth seed after this weekend. Um, to go to Seattle and win in the playoffs is not an easy task. They're, so they're going to have to get that depressed Seattle team that can't mm-hmm. run the ball, uh, that, that you know Russell Wilson gets pressure on them, which I think the Giants can do, and has three turnovers in a game. Um, but that 12th man out there is, is tough. So uh, we won't know until these games wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's, if, if the matchup is right for the Giants, they absolutely can make the same run that they've always made. Am I, am I positive about it? No. But I wasn't positive in 07, and I certainly wasn't in, in 11 either. Um, it's, just, it's just one of those things that this team, particularly Eli, has been able to do on the stage that matters most. Does it bother you at all? I mean, you you made your the comments on Eli, Eli the Coughlin comments, all that. Does it bother you that Giants fans kind of some fans not not a lot no. overlook what an incredible no. career you had for them because of those comments? Say, oh, Tiki, like, well, they can't he's a se- douche. Why would he no, say that? No, they can't separate them. That's yeah. the problem. Um, I was a I was a really good player for the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. When I left the New York Giants, my job was to be a journalist. Now, things with Eli. Uh, most people never even heard it. They they heard it secondhand. 
um, and, and really heard it in response uh, to Eli responding to someone running to him and saying, did you hear what Tiki said? Uh, obviously, Eli and I have cleared the air on that, and, mm. and we you know, I apologize. And as far as Tom Coughlin is concerned, I challenge people. I, I've had this conversation with many. Tell me what I said about Tom Coughlin that, uh, that, that it's causing so much ire. I think there's this assumption that I said something about Tom Coughlin, which I actually didn't. Uh, we all know who he, who, who he is, so it wasn't like I was um, uh, pulling back the curtain on him being tough and hard on us as, as, as players. I've always said I respected the hell out of him as a coach, mm. but he had to teach, treat guys differently, which he ultimately did. Um, and he became a, a, a great head coach and a, and, a, and a Hall of Famer in a lot of people's minds, including mine. Um, so I, I think it's, it's two things. It's a, it's a lack of distinction of what I was doing professionally. And then two, not fully understanding what my take actually was. And, but I can't, I can't, I can't fight people's inability to, to not go find the answers themselves. Um, and it's not worth me telling them. I don't, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to play the martyr. Um, I'm an opinionated person. Hell, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in Virginia, but I'm a New Yorker. I have an opinion. And if I didn't have one, I don't think you respect me for being on this side of the mic. And, and that's how I've always looked at it. I agree hundred percent. It's just, it bothers me too, that there are fans out there that will overlook a three-time pro bowler, what you did for the giants, the community, all that. Uh, just for a couple of comments, it's kind of absurd. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Jake, because I don't feel it in person. Mm-hmm. And when I go to Giants, I don't feel that. I don't, I, when I meet Giants fans out or about, I, I don't feel it. So I, someone, one of my friends once told me this because he was at a game. I forgot where I was at, and they booed me for something. Um, it wasn't the Ring of Honor. It was something else. But he said, most people around me were cheering for you, but it sounds like booze throughout the stadium. So it's a vocal minority. Well, people won't do it to your face or they'll yeah. hide behind a computer and, screen. And so know. in that regard, I don't respect you. <laughs> you know, if you're going to boo me in, a, in, in anonymity, you know, who are you then? Because mm-hmm. you're actually nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, all I can control is how I treat people when I, when I meet them. And if you've ever met me, um, your opinion about me changes. Mm-hmm. When you try to make your comeback, did you feel it was too late? Did you did no, you have anything in you? No, that com- that was all. I had a chance in what year was it? Two thousand eleven. No, well, yeah, two so two thousand ten season, two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. That was when Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers went to the Super Bowl against the Green Bay Packers, and so I got to interview Mike and I hung out with him for a long time. I was it was it was a tough year for me because I was going through a divorce. Um, it was I was not really working. I was just, I was kind of bored um, and trying to figure out what was next in my life. And, and Mike said to me, he's like, dude, make a comeback. You're in great shape still. Go, go work, go hit Carini, um, you know, and, you know, you, you'll get a look. And so I said, all right, why not? What else am I doing? I mean, literally was sitting on my couch watching reruns of, of Cheers and Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman and <laughs> anything else I could find on Netflix. I'm not kidding. I'd watch entire seasons. And so I started working out again and I started to feel like myself again. I was, I was, I was alive. I was, I was, I was, I was working out with Mo Wilkerson with Carini out in New Jersey and whatever I emotionally was, was lacking. It it came back because of working out and and getting ready to play football again. Did I ever believe it could really happen? Not, not really. I mean, I was 30, 35 years old, 36 years old, however, however old I was. Um, But it was, it was worth pursuing. The blessing actually came with the lockout because I probably would have gotten a shot somewhere. Who knows where? 
um, even just to go into camp. And I would have been sucked right back into the thing that I hated and why I left. Um, Luckily, the lockout happened, and I met my co-founder of Thusio about three weeks later. So things happen in life for reasons. I don't believe in coincidence. Um, A lot of people will will say, oh, that was coincidence. No, it it wasn't. Things happen for reasons. Um, And so I meet Mark uh, Gerson, and we launched Thusio. We're now four and a half years in. We've grown from six employees in the basement of a townhouse on 43rd Street uh, to 55 employees now and five clubs across the country, New York, Philly, San Francisco, L.A., and Chicago. And we're, we're thriving. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, I believe um, helped pull me out of what I needed. What, it helped pull me out of a depression, and it gave me what I needed, my, my comeback attempt which really wasn't a comeback attempt. Um, but it set me down a renewed path in my life. And that, that's what's most important. Tell us about Thusio for those who don't know about it. Yeah, Thusio started as a, a, a B2C marketplace to book athletes. So take me, for instance. I'm a retired athlete. I live in New York City. People want to engage with me or, or they want to have a conversation or they want to play flag football. They want to do any of those things with me. How would they do that? There was no mechanism to because you didn't know me personally. You didn't know my agent. So we basically just created a store for those type of transactions to happen. But very quickly, we realized that our market was not the it wasn't a customer. It was it was corporate America who were looking to do events and engagements. And so we pivoted just a, just a little bit at first, and we became a B two B business, and we were servicing business markets. But as the world has evolved, and technology has evolved, and influencers have evolved, influencers being athletes, entertainers, musicians, uh, YouTube stars. Uh, the PewDiePie's of the world type of uh, type of, of folks. Uh, we've we've turned into a SaaS product, uh, a software as a service uh, for brands and marketers and others other uh, companies that are looking to engage with these influencers, not just athletes, but obviously obviously some athletes as well, to engage with these influencers in some sort of campaign or or transaction. And so our product grew from about. 200 athletes that I kind of knew personally into 50,000 influencers now who we provide services to across the in- entire world. And so the, the business has been fun and it's cutting edge and there's a lot of uh, competition uh, in the marketplace, but we feel like we're thriving and we're winning and it's, and it's fun. Who are some of these athletes that are part of Thusio? Some it's, of the bigger it's, ones? It's any of them. They're, we're, they're, not, we're, they're not a part of Thusio. We just provide the information on who they're from. I'll give you an example. So say you are Coke and you're, and you're looking to book a former um, uh, Olympic skier who happens to be from Northern California who's about 35 years old and has 200,000 Twitter followers and is engaged in uh, muscular dystrophy or wh- whatever the criteria is. You could, you could literally you know, give me 50 things that are part of your criteria or 10 or whatever it may be, and we kick you out a list and then connect you to help do whatever it is you want to do with that person, whether it's start a campaign, whether it's to have them come for a speaking engagement, whether it's um, uh, to, to, to have them help you sell or, or sell something. Um, we, that's, that's what our business is. And we love it because it's, 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 it's engaging in communities with influencers without having to touch them deeply, which is what the old agency business is all about. Tiki Barber on the Jake Brown show, co-founder of Thusio. A couple more minutes here. Um, that, that, that damn, I just, that came to my mind. The game was the 49ers, the playoffs. <laughs> I remember I cried after Matt Bryan, uh, 
the hold and everything. Um, that but, wasn't Matt Bryant's fault. Trey Junkin. Yeah, Trey. It was actually Trey. the referee's fault. That's his 15 seconds of fame, Trey. Um, <laughs> he was actually so good, too. We got him. He was 40-something. What was it? it wasn't like 38-6 or something that game. It was a blowout. Was, we were up by 24, 24 in the fourth quarter and ended up losing. Yeah, that was ugly. That was the worst. Um, this year, playoffs, who do you like? Who's your favorites here? I'd imagine the Patriots now that Derek yeah, Carr is I mean, the, the, the Pats have to be the favorite in the AFC simply because they are so well coached. And I, I'll give you an example that I saw a couple of weeks ago against Denver. Now, Denver has a great defense, uh, even though they laid down last weekend. They have, a, they have a, one of the best over the last you know decade or so, and just in the last couple of years. You would think the Pats on the road know that they're going to just have to pound the ball. They, they're not scared of Trevor Simeon beating them on the scoreboard. But they also don't want to make stupid mistakes and let that opportunistic defense led by Aqib Tlaib and T.J. Ward and all those guys um, take advantage of mistakes that they make. So they're just going to run the ball. Right? LeGarrette Blunt, who's got 17 touchdowns on the year, he's one of these unheralded superstars in the league because he plays with Tom Brady, but they're just going to hand the ball. Deion Lewis was a leading toter that night. Right? He, he carried the ball 18 times, had 95 yards. And why is that significant? Because that's not what the Denver Broncos likely prepared for. And so it's a, it's a skill as a coordinator. And Josh McDaniels gets a lot of credit for this. I think Dan Patricia on the other side, on the defensive side, gets his, gets his credit as well. They have the ability to flip their game plan um, by week and execute it so effectively. Most teams can't do that. Most teams are, we are who we are. We're going to run what we run, and, and you're going to have to stop us. The Pats just have the ability to out, obviously, work you, but out-coach you, and with Tom Brady at the helm, out-execute you. And so this, it's one of those things that um, it's hard to see how someone comes and beats them in their house, especially if they get home field, which it looks like they will because Matt McGloin is now starting for the uh, Oakland Raiders for Can Week 17. Can he miracle, McGloin? McGloin, he can because you know why? He's confident. Um, he was... I mean, his story is crazy. I mean, he, he didn't get a scholarship. He was a preferred walk-on at Penn State. And then he worked his way into a scholarship. He didn't get drafted. Uh, but he's been around now for, what, four years as, as, as a backup. And when you watch him play, he's not afraid. Now, that's that gunslinger mentality for a less accomplished player is actually very dangerous. Um, but he made some big throws uh, at the end of the game last weekend against the Colts. And so, I mean, can he be okay? Yeah. Am I expecting it? No, but we'll see. It's, it's why you play the games uh, type of thing. In the NFC, it's it's hard not to like the Cowboys, mm -hmm. especially because they're home. And if you've watched them play at home, save for the Giants in week one, but that was Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott's first game as rookie starters, and they lost by a point. Uh, Dak Prescott at home is impressive. I mean, his completion percentage is, is in the mid-70s. Uh, he doesn't throw interceptions. Uh, Zeke is he Zeke thrives on the energy at AT&T, and you see it. Des Bryant has an extra pep in his step. It's controlled. There's no conditions, whether or otherwise, uh, that that are that are going to be a handicap. And so, given the home field, it's it's hard not to say Dallas as well. Now, with that being said, the MVP of this league is Matt Ryan. And they score at will, uh, it seems like, even without Julio Jones, who's missed the last couple of games. Um, I, I, I think the Giants have a chance if they can pull through what I think is Seattle, um, only because there's a confidence that comes with knowing you own a team. The Giants own the Cowboys. Period. As a running back, I was 100% confident you were going to say Zeke is the MVP. I'm shocked that you said Matt Ryan. Uh, uh, Zeke is my MVP. He won't win it. 
okay. Matt Ryan will win it. Matt Ryan's thrown 36 touchdowns and to seven interceptions and has 4,600 yards, and they have the number one offense, or at least number two now, offense, number one offense on a good team. The Saints are the other one that have number one. Um, he's, he's been unbelievable. And what he's done, uh, spreading the ball around the 13 different targets, obviously two of those are running backs, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, uh, four touchdowns as a passer, is it's unprecedented. It's never been done in league history. So as much as you want to say, oh, this is all about Julio Jones, it's actually not. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they blow out people even when Julio doesn't play uh, or when Julio is, is shut down because they combo cover him. Um, he gets it to other other guys. Matt Matt has had an MVP season. Now, Zeke is, is the catalyst for the Cowboys, though. Um, but I don't know if that's enough for a running back to win a quarterback award. And he'll win Rookie of the Year. He'll definitely win like Rookie of the Year. Uh, my my my. I mean, Jason Garrett has some has some votes to win Coach of the Year. Adam Gase and Jack Del Rio are the three I think are the three that, that matter in that conversation. I love Landon Collins as defensive player of the year, as a, as we mentioned before. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think who it's those are the other only other awards. I think all the other awards are are are, are, are less significant. But coach and rookie. A defensive rookie of the year. I don't know who that would be. Who's coach? Who do you have coach? It, there's three. It's either Gase, Del Rio, or or Jason Garrett. Yeah. Now think about. I mean, Gase and Del Rio. Those were losing cultures. Now, Oakland's been on the come for a little bit, so there's a little bit of a. I'm shocked. The Dolphins. There's a, there's a little bit of mitigation there, yeah. but where the Dolphins were, I mean, they were dead in the water after mm-hmm. five weeks. I mean, dead. I mean, they were done, and we were ready to say, "Ah, oh, same old. Get rid of get rid of Tannenhill. You know, this is the year where he his dead money is not that that big of a deal. You know, you can cut him. Uh, he gets hurt, and they still find ways to win, sitting at ten games, uh, ten wins with one weekend left. So, uh, Adam Gase has done unbelievable things on there, um, and with Jason Garrett, we saw what happened last year when Tony Romo got hurt. Now, they didn't have Dak as a backup, but did anybody expect Dak to be Dak? This year, no, he was a rookie mm-hmm. um, that didn't have great success, uh, you know, in the draft. Uh, but the same situation, beat up um, defense or suspended a uh, quarterback. You're a quarterback. Your franchise marked one of the marquee players in the National Football League is hurt. They went four and twelve last year. They won eleven games in a row and are sitting at, at thirteen and, uh, and 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 two right now. Mm-hmm. I mean. How's that not coach of the year worthy? Um, and I happen it's a little bit biased because I happen to know Jason uh, pretty well uh, from his time here as a backup to Kerry Collins. And I think the the job that he's done, having to I'm I'm, I'm use the word deal deal with the things that Jerry Jones situations that Jerry Jones puts him in is is pretty spectacular. You, you can't tell me he wanted Greg Hardy last yeah. year, but he kept things copacetic. You can't tell me that uh, all of these guys who are smoking their way into suspensions, whether they be four games or, or eight games or seasons, is, is something that's easy to navigate. Uh, but he's done it, and he's done it pretty quietly, uh, uh, which, is, which is commendable. And that leads me to my last question. Um, in terms of the NFL and discipline, mm-hmm. smoking – when it comes to fines for Antonio Brown twerking. Yeah. Uh, it's a no-fun league. I mean, yeah. I get it. Does that bother you as a foreign player? If you're playing now, that's got to frustrate you to get fined for your cleats, your my, twerking, everything. My, my, my problem is I can't answer this as a, as a player. Um, it bothers me as a – if I was a player, as a businessman, I get it. What's What the NFL is is a package. So everything, everything you see, the $13 billion that they hope to be 25 at some point, this $13 billion package that's sold to advertisers is everything in it. 
So when these domestic violence cases become, you know, forget front page sports news or in New York back page news, when they become front page news news, when these these marijuana suspensions um, start taking over uh, the news cycle, when the ratings declines uh, happen, and a lot of people will point to many factors, including Colin Kaepernick's protests and others, even though it was really just the election cycle and Donald Trump, the Donald Trump phenomenon. When these things start uh, it, it permeating this this big NFL package called the Shield. Um, there's 32 billionaires who start to worry mm-hmm. a little bit. And so do they want to control their product? Absolutely, because there's a lot of money to lose if the NFL starts trending the wrong way. And so it's got to always go forward. Now, the ratings over the last couple of weeks have been great. And I think, and again, it proves that it was the election cycle that was it was the downturn, not any of these things that were happening off the field. Um, but so as a businessman, I get why they want it controlled. They don't they don't want they. they it's a family product. That's what we're talking about. Right? We're not, we, we as grown-ups sometimes say, oh, yeah, let's go get hammered and you know, go watch a football game and take shots. and do." All. But most of America is watching a football game with Johnny and Susie uh, sitting on their couch and having Coca-Cola and popcorn. Uh, and that's the product that the NFL is selling. It's not what we think it is. And I think sometimes players uh, don't understand that. Um, they don't realize you know, this whole cliche about being a role model is real. And, but more importantly, it's it's lucrative. And so as a player, I'd say, yeah, I'm upset. Now, that's that's BS. But as a businessman that looks at things sometimes differently, um, I get it. But I think the Johnny and Susie like seeing the twerking. They like seeing Ezekiel Elliott jump in the Salvation Army bucket. I think that's entertaining. It adds yes. the sport. Yes. It makes it and more so fun to watch. That's the thing. That's I agree with you. I compl- the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing was was awesome, and it was it was charitable. I mean, the uh, Salvation Army got more donations in in, in probably the, that two hours than they have in the history of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, the the social media and the and the and the and the, and the technology world that we live in, yeah, twelve year olds and, and younger know all these things anyways. But that doesn't mean um, that mom and dad want. Johnny and Susie twerking and and doing all of these things and uh, uh, and and maybe trending towards what could be inappropriate behavior. The question is, and the, and the reason the NFL cuts down is because if you let them, if you let players get away with something, then they think they can get away with anything, and so they control it in a way. A lot of those fines that you see, by the way, they get overturned. Mm-hmm. Um, we never we never hear the downstream result of the appeal. But a lot of them get overturned or reduced. And so it's never as drastic as it seems. This is the Jake Brown Show. Play it out at slash Jake Brown, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. With Tiki Barber, the former Giant Great, make sure you listen to uh, Tiki and Tierney, 9 a.m. to noon, CBS Sports Radio, which you catch on the CBS Sports app, the Radio.com app. And check out Tiki and Tierney.com and check out Thuzi as well. Tiki, appreciate you coming on, man. Anytime, my friend. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.